We are glad to make all of our Jcast Network podcasts free for our listeners. However, they are not free to produce and host. Please consider making a donation to Jcast Network to help support our work by visiting jcastnetwork.org slash donate. Thanks for your support. You are listening to Pop Torah with Rabbi Iznopf and Olitsky, a Jcast Network podcast. For more information about other Jcast Network podcasts, please visit jcastnetwork.org. Welcome to Pop Torah, the podcast that focuses on Judaism through the lens of pop culture and pop culture through the lens of Judaism. As always, we are your hosts. I am Rabbi Jesse Olitsky. And I'm Rabbi Michael Knopf. And this week, we are focusing on the new Hulu documentary and the words of the pop star herself. It's Britney, bitch. Framing Britney Spears. Framing Britney Spears uh, is a documentary produced by the New York Times. It's the latest in a series of um, uh, deep dives from New York Times uh, staffers called New York Times Presents. Um, and so this one focuses on Britney Spears, as you mentioned. Uh, and it's, you know, it's, it's hard to, um, for me, as someone who doesn't usually consider myself old, uh, to think back uh, about the fact that uh, Britney Spears has been a, a fixture in our culture for um, over two decades now, nearly three decades. Um, I, I, you know, I, I don't remember her uh, from the Mickey Mouse Club because I didn't. Get oh, the, I do. I, I didn't do. get the Disney Channel back then, uh, but uh, but I certainly remember her from her Baby One More Time and Oops I Did It Again era, um, which was you know really kind of targeted to my demographic. I was in uh, uh, middle school and high school at the time, and then ultimately in, in college um, at the sort of peak of at peak Britney in uh, the uh, early 2000s. Uh, and the documentary chronicles uh, a few things. It chronicles her her uh, rise to pop superstardom, where she was, you know, as many people call her, the princess of pop, uh, and then. Her, uh, her decline, her fall, uh, or at least so it seemed in the tabloid media, and it uh, uh, presents her uh, doomed romance with uh, Justin Timberlake as a, a major catalyst of, uh, of, of some of these uh, I remember events. that. That was crushing. Crushing. Um, although I do remember this was excellent. Their matching denim uh, suits that they wore, I think, to either the MTV Awards. I think it was the, the VMAs, yeah. The VMAs, chef's kiss. Uh, I, at some point in my life, I want to be able to pull that off too. Um, and and they did so flying colors. And then her marriage to uh, Kevin Federline, her doomed marriage to Kevin Federline, her, her, uh, the birth of her children, uh, and then her very public um, demise and, and, and downfall, some might even say uh, break, uh, that was chronicled by the paparazzi and by the tabloid press. And then subsequently, um, the uh, conservatorship that was established by her father, Jamie, uh, where he basically took control over all of her affairs, um, which is the case uh, more or less uh, until today. And so the movie, uh, the documentary 
talks about that conservatorship, talks about the issue of conservatorship in general, and explores the question of whether Brittany is being, you know, sort of held by under her father's control for her own well-being and protection, uh, or whether she is being held essentially prisoner and being exploited by her father and other people around her, um, which is the argument made by those in in the so-called Free Britney movement. Right, uh, that which- was a that was crazy. Right, I I was not so familiar with the Free Britney movement. The uh, those who founded this Instagram account, where basically they just reviewed her tweets and her Instagram posts looking for coded messaging as if she was a prisoner looking for people to free her. It was a crazy phenomenon that, that people are, are on that ride. It is. And I was actually familiar with it before the documentary. So it wasn't so surprising to me. Uh, but, uh, you know, it is a, it is a sort of strange subculture, um, but it underscores the fact that Brittany, for the most part, doesn't speak much for herself. She periodically posts on Instagram and, and on Twitter. Uh, she posts, you know, dance uh, dances and, and other kinds of things, sometimes very dead eyed, honestly, if I'm if I'm being uh, um, uh, frank with my with my observations of of Britney Instagram. Um, not that I follow it all that closely, but uh, but nevertheless. So, but anyway, this movement exists and it's uh, uh, gained a lot of popularity and steam over the over the past uh, year or so, a couple of years. And so the movie uh, talks to some people involved in that Free Britney movement and gets their take on the situation as well. Notably, the documentary has no interviews with, uh, with Britney Spears or any member of the Spears family. Um, uh, so right, and saying that that they refused, right? That they didn't uh, return calls. Right. Uh, that they don't even know if the requests for an interview ever got to Brittany because of this conservatorship. Right. And listen, let's, let's just talk. Since we're on the subject, let's talk about the documentary as a documentary uh, for a moment, Jesse. What did you think of it? It, it was fine. Uh, I appreciated um, much like a lot of these. 80s and 90s shows that have been rebooted. Um, I appreciated it more so than anything else as a reminder of my adolescence. Uh, I, I was a big fan, still am a big fan of pop music. That's why we have hashtag pop Torah, smash that subscribe button. Uh, and I was a big fan of Britney Spears. Um, I remember listening to her, you know, song come on about every 23 minutes or so on Z100 uh, on, the, on the radio station here. And uh, each of the issues that the documentary address really through her 2008 circus album, even through her Las Vegas show, uh, I was familiar with, and it was sort of going down memory lane and reliving these tabloid stories. It wasn't yeah, anything I mean, groundbreaking to me, but it was fine. Right. I mean, the, the, the documentary thing does a really good job of reminding us how, uh, prevalent and present Britney Spears has been in the pop culture consciousness for, for so long, which in and of itself is, is an extraordinary accomplishment. Uh, and then not to mention the fact that, you know, her, her catalog is, is just wall to wall jams. I, you know, I, when I was in high school and I remember when you and I went on USY pilgrimage, okay, that was the summer um, that oops, I did it again, had just come out like yep. earlier that year. Right. So it was, so Brittany was like, couldn't have been bigger. Um, and I, you know, I, I tried to, um, you know, hide 
when I was a teenager, the ways in which um, I, just like probably every teenager, um, was was very much taken by the teeny bop craze, you know, by the boy band craze. I I, I did not hide I would, that. I wouldn't, right. I wouldn't have admitted it then, but I will gladly admit now that um, that, that whole era uh, produced some some fun music, some great music. Uh, and, uh, you know, and so um, I... Uh, probably would not have admitted in the late 90s, early 2000s that I, you know, was a Britney Spears fan. Um, but now I can kind of out myself and say it. I'm perfectly happy to. And, um, and, and uh, you know, have really appreciated uh, her music. I, you know, l- less so. And the movie explores this in ways that, that made me, you know, kind of question my relationship to uh, her as a figure and, and, and her music in the past is the ways in which uh, the you know her her music and her image um, were uh, exploitative, um, and it's and it's an ongoing question about um, you know how much agency Britney had in the cultivation of you know of a sort of um, first a kind of like Lolita ish image, uh, and then uh, you know a sort of like kind of uh, you know emancipated sex pot kind of image uh, that that she had, and you know whether that and this is a true, you know, this is a sort of common phenomenon uh, in the pop world. We even have this conversation on some level about uh, folks like Beyonce um, is, is, you know, even if it is sort of like emancipated sexuality, in what way is that a positive force in our culture? In what way is that a, um, a, a, a challenging force in our culture? But it also underscores the fact that like, we never asked that question about male pop stars. Absolutely. Right. That it's I think when you see a woman go from being a young woman to an adult woman, uh, it's certainly uh, intentionally noticeable with celebrities, with how they dress, how they act, um, how they dance, the the lyrics of their songs. Right. You made mention that. she was part of the the new Mickey Mouse Club, and there's this phenomena that happens with these Disney Channel stars mm-hmm. uh, and these Disney stars that, as they grow up to adulthood, they want to try to distance themselves from that work and, and try to do more edgy things so that they aren't seen as a kid anymore. But specifically with women, because of the patriarchal nature of society and because of the way we cast judgment on women about everything in ways that we let men slide. Uh, That's especially true when it comes to uh, celebrity tabloids. Well, right. I mean, you can see this, you know, in, in just kind of the twin figures, the, 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 you know, um, you know, twin planets of, uh, of Britney Spears and Justin Timberlake, right? So um, the trajectory of Britney Spears to, to become, to graduate from a child star was to become hypersexualized. And uh, the way for Justin Timberlake to graduate from a child star into an adult star was to become a womanizer, right? And, and, and they even made mention, right? When they broke up, um, she was, uh, for lack of a better term, slut shamed as a result he used that breakup to put out the single Cry Me a River. Right. Um, I think with like Timbaland and, and maybe yeah. Usher was in that. And that launched him to be this new king of pop and into his solo career. 
Right. So it, there's another documentary that needs to be made about the, um, the, the complicated figure that is Justin Timberlake, um, who on, will be on the produced hand, by pop Torah and Jcast network. Maybe, maybe we, we, uh, verbal signature, uh, trademark. We claim the rights to that right now. Um, because no, because, uh, you know, they're, they're, uh, you know, a, a lot of his, you know, post instinct career, um, has, um, has been has at least had a subcurrent of misogyny in it, and arguably that is what has um, helped him, right? Rather than than hurt him, you know, he like the Super Bowl with, J- with Janet Jackson, um, right? So you know, uh, Janet Jackson was the one who got slut shamed for uh, for that performance, uh, and and Justin Timberlake, you know, gets off. At, at worst, scot free, if not, has a huge, you know, sort of catapult to his career because of his involvement in in that in that saga, right? So, I mean, and I think the documentary does a good job of that, of of showing the ways in which um, female pop stars um, are treated radically differently than male pop stars, um, and and held to a a very different standard. Or ask, you see some really cringeworthy interviews. Uh, that she has in this documentary, you know, among them with Matt Lauer of all people. Yeah, that that, that was quite uh, um, eerie looking back, knowing what we know now about the disgusting person he is and was that he was um, accusing her of wrongdoing in many situations. Right. Um, on the other hand, I don't know if you felt this, Jesse, but I, you know, I, I felt like the, the, uh, movie as a piece of journalism um, was somewhat lacking. I, I felt like um, either there is not a very good case for Britney's conservatorship, um, you know, in which case the you know the, the movie presents pretty clearly that she's being you know essentially held captive against her will, and it's an, a grave injustice that's being perpetrated on her, um, or. Uh, there's a whole other side of the story that the movie didn't present because it didn't really present much of the other side of the story. Yeah, I mean, that's why I said the movie, that the documentary was entertaining at best. Uh, I couldn't help but laugh at those who would protest outside of the courthouse, you know, this free Britney movement. Um, Nothing against Britney Spears. I I don't think anybody should be... Um, in prison, literally or metaphorically, and not have control over their own actions. Uh, But Mike, you and I have been involved in many actions. There are many issues in this broken world that we need to fight for. I don't know if I would put my time and energy into ending the conservatorship over Britney Spears's financial decisions uh, and public statements as much as I would over ending, you know, children being put in cages or uh, the murder of young black men and women by law enforcement, right? There are real issues at stake going on in this world or the climate crisis. The the protests almost seem laughable. Yeah, I I hear that. Um, And I'm not sure I necessarily disagree, but I'll, I'll play devil's advocate about it for a, a, a moment. You know, the first, the first is like, I'm not sure if it needs to be an either or. Right. So like just because you're advocating for the release of Britney Spears from her conservatorship doesn't necessarily mean that you aren't also advocating, you know, for an end to 
the policy of family separation and you know and, and any of the other injustices that you're that you're talking about. So that's that's sure, but one. we we all have limited uh, capacity and bandwidth, and so from a prioritization standpoint, it's not on the top of my list. Fine, fair. I mean, so so number two, and this is really what I want to get into is you know uh, uh, in the in the laws of tzedakah. Uh, in, in, in Jewish law generally, um, there are uh, few values higher than redeeming the captive, right? So, it, you know, if you only have a little bit of tzedakah to give and it can go toward uh, only one thing, it should be redeeming captives, according to uh, Halakha. So if that's the case, and Brittany is a captive, I think it bears mentioning here that um, the laws of conservatorship and the documentary goes into this, you know, were really designed uh, for, uh, for to, to take charge of the affairs of people who are, you know, severely incapacitated. Right. right? Really so, for children and their elderly parents more so than anything else. Exactly. Right. That's what it's mostly used for. It could probably be used also for, you know, for, for, for grown children who have, you know, some kind of like mental disability or something like that. Right. A you know, significant break with reality. Um, so, uh, uh, so the question hinges on whether or not Brittany is a competent, capable, uh, functioning adult, um, in which case she can, she should be free to make her own decisions, even if they're bad ones. Um, or, uh, if she's not, and the conservatorship of her father is, is, you know, an, an act of, um, is an act of necessity or an act of compassion even uh, on the part of the state. But if it's the former, right, and Brittany is essentially a captive against her will, um, uh, you know, using the machinery of the state to hold her captive, shouldn't that mean that that uh, people should be out there protesting? Yes, there may also be other people who are being held captive against their will. But if I know about this one and it's right in front of my face, shouldn't I do something about it? Absolutely. Right. Masaka Brachot says that somebody cannot, I think it's 5B, says that somebody cannot free, a prisoner cannot free themselves. They need another person to be there to free them. Um, I just think the idea of captivity is a very, very much a generalization. And it's hard for me to see somebody who had a year long residency show in Las Vegas, the most popular Las Vegas show ever. Right, somebody who has gone uh, multi-platinum, somebody who's a multi-millionaire, that they are captive in some way. Although I know that to be true, right? Be because uh-huh. because I do know that um, somebody can control another person in a number of ways, and um, if the law makes a decision, then the law makes that decision, and uh, that just because somebody has a certain financial reality, that doesn't mean that they have control over their life. Right. So that, I think that that's a really uh, Im- important point, right? To, to borrow a, a phrase from uh, a magazine that has a very complicated relationship with this story in particular, right? Celebrities, they're just like us, right? So whether us she weekly. has, right. So whether she has, you know, a, a $60 million to her name or not, right. There's, you know, it, it doesn't necessarily change the injustice, the, the, the level of the injustice. Um, you know, it would, it would be no different in some ways as if she had $0 to her name because being held against her will is being held against her will. It's also not an uncommon story on some level in, in the pop world. Like, you know, I, I especially see- with child actors and, yeah. and musicians that their parents, uh, 
make control and take control over their decisions at a young age and have a hard time giving up those decisions. It's, uh, I think, a phenomenon here specifically because it seemed that Britney Spears had control over those decisions uh, when she had what tabloids described as a mental breakdown, famously when she shaved her her head, uh, when tabloids saw pictures of her driving with her her baby on her lap in the front seats, right. in the driver's side front seat. Um, her father, who was distant and not so involved in her life, um, a recovering addict, took control as conservator uh, in a way that seemed out of left field. Right. Um, so, uh, you know, I, I, so that's, I think, one question here is, you know, is this a case of redeeming the captive? And the other, and the other is, and, and this, you know, maybe uh, an avenue to, a separate conversation is, you know, the 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 place that uh, celebrities occupy uh, in our culture and in many of our lives. I mean, we have a pop culture podcast, right? Like we, you know, we could be spending this time, um, I don't know, studying Gamara, for example, right? But we're not. We're talking about Britney Spears, um, and you could argue, right? Like, isn't that a waste of your time that could be arguably spent on other things? We happen to think that there is value in, you know, in in the larger pop culture and what's what's happening in the larger culture and the insights that we can gain from it and the ways in which it could be a springboard for for deeper conversations. But I think that that underscores the ways in which some figures like Britney Spears, you know, occupy an outsized place in people's lives are very important for people. I, I don't know if that's good or bad, but it's a reality, right? And and I don't know. I mean it. Arguably, it's it's good. At least it could be good. So if you know, if um, like there, there. Imagine it wasn't Britney Spears for a second, Jesse. Imagine it was, um, I don't know, Brie Larson, uh, or um, uh, Elizabeth Olsen, um, right? Someone that you you're just highlighting my my Marvel fan. That's right, right. So so you know, you were convinced that one of your you know Marvel heroes or heroines was being you know held captive against their will are you telling me that like you would not be in the streets about it no i sure again i don't know if i would be in the streets right I, i'd be in the streets you know fighting against a racial injustice and police brutality I, again i'm not sure if this is something that 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 um brings me to march but I, I see your points. I think part of the challenge with tabloids is that what we saw at the beginning, uh, celebrities use paparazzi and tabloids to build their image and build their profile. And then what happened with Britney Spears is it backfired. She became so popular. I wonder if this is as much an issue today as it was you know, 15, 20 years ago, just because I think many celebrities control the story a bit more with the use of social media, that they will publicly introduce us into their private lives through Instagram posts or TikTok videos, right? I know what some of these celebrities are eating for dinner, even politicians, right? When AOC is uh, making dinner and talking about politics while she's making dinner, it's, um, it, lowers the barrier uh, and brings these the, these people in high powerful positions, whether it's elected officials or whether it's uh, musicians or actors or actresses down to our level. Uh, I think there's less of a need for 50 
photographers to surround somebody's car when a pop star orders a Jamba juice or something like that, uh, if they're exposing themselves, even in a very controlled environment through social media. So I actually don't know if the paparazzi issue is as much of an issue now as it was then just because of social media. That being said, I do think paparazzi had a big influence on um, the trajectory, the downward trajectory of Britney Spears's career uh, and our obsession with knowing the personal experiences that celebrities go through that, that we don't want to give them any privacy or any private life that we feel like, all right, I buy your music. I watch your movies. I need to know everything about you, which is unfair and wrong. Well, right. I mean, I think that that speaks to, um, you know, a, a, a human impulse for, for power and for control. Right. And so, uh, I mean, it's present even in the garden of Eden story, right? What, what compels, uh, Eve to eat the fruit of the tree. Um, she wants to know it all. Right. Uh, or, or any, even more than that, right. She wants to, she, the, the, the snake tells her that like, this will make you like God. Right. Um, and that's, you know, that's deep down. That's what we all want. Like we, you know, we, we, uh, want to know every single thing about celebrities because we're not celebrities, but that gives us a sense of, uh, of, of ownership, uh, and empowerment, at least we can be on the level of celebrity, that they can be sort of like part of our lives, that they can be that stars, they're just like us, right? So we want we want to have that. And, you know, like you said, the paparazzi has a, and, and the tabloid uh, media have a sort of symbiotic relationship uh, with celebrities. Um, but they're, you know, celebrities' uh, interests are to, you know, kind of continue climbing, you know, to sell more records, to you know, stay sort of like on top of the pop consciousness to grow as artists, whatever it is, right? The tabloid media, um, I mean, ultimately their goal is to, you know, sell more pictures and to sell more magazines. But the 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 method of doing that, and it's kind of tried and true at this point, is that like they want to chronicle, they want to build up a star as big as they possibly can. And then tear them because, down. And then bring them down, right? Because the you know the 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 bigger the the bigger they are, the better the fall. And then if they have time left, maybe they'll tell a redemption story later on, right? Of uh, of bringing them back up. So there's also a way in which this documentary. I, I wonder if it's restoring Britney's agency or taking it away more, right? In other words, is it is it still part of that kind of um, parasitic? Uh, culture where uh, where you know they're you know New York Times is trying to make money off of a possible downfall or possible redemption narrative uh, from Britney Spears, but still it's exploitation in the same way that the general paparazzi culture has before. And that's not even getting into um, I think a, a really serious Jewish question about this, which is the role that Lishon Hara plays in all of this, right? That the notion of uh, talking uh, talking about other people, generally speaking, and, and in particular say, saying negative things about them, even if they're true. Um, right, we, we forget, we often talk about Lashon Hara as Rechi Lud, as gossip. Uh, Lashon Hara can be true, right? It's right. not about uh, making up lies and spreading rumors. It's if we are talking about somebody behind their back, uh, that's Lashon Hara. And that is what the whole, uh, tabloid empire is based on 
It's candid photos of people, uh, stories, most of them fake about Elvis and an alien baby, right? About um, uh, that, that get us interested to spread those rumors, but it's all about Lashon Hurrah. Uh, and I would add to that, you know, part of the issue with that is Mishnah teaches us that the whole idea of, you know, don't judge somebody until you've walked in their shoes, right? That you shouldn't judge your fellow person until uh, you've reached their place, as it says in the Hebrew, right? until you've experienced what they've experienced. I don't know what it's like to be a pop star. I don't know the, the stress. I see it as like, oh my God, how great would it be to sing all the time and make millions of dollars? But what it, what is my role in this in judging somebody else just because a photographer took a photo of them and is telling me to judge them? Right. And sometimes very explicitly telling you to judge them, right? Because the, the photographer, the magazine, you know, will take the picture and, uh, and, and, you know, slap whatever headline they want on it, whether or not it's actually an accurate depiction of what the, what, what the photo shows, right? You get like that one, you know, you snap a thousand photos of somebody, you know, getting out of the car, the one where they look kind of angry, right? Um, as a still shot, you know, like put the headline, like, you know, um, unhinged Britney, right? Well, I don't know, maybe in that like millisecond of that picture, she had that look about her, but that doesn't necessarily mean that she's had a break, a psychotic break with reality, right? And so we're being, uh, we're, we're, we're coaxed into, um, into judgment about other people, sometimes under false pretenses, sometimes maybe under true, pre true uh, uh, things, but either way, it would fall under the general category of like forbidden or defamatory speech. And what's even more important about that from a Jewish perspective is that you're not only not allowed to spread Lashon Hara or Rechilut, right? You're not allowed to listen to it either. And so it's, I think, a really um, serious question um, about whether um, whether Jews should even be allowed to read things like Us Weekly or or People, you know, and I say that as somebody who has in the past, at the very least in dentist's office, uh, read uh, People and, and Us Weekly. And I would add to that, right, the same is true for much of reality TV, that is, not competitions, but like the, the Real Housewives type of shows where it's basically almost uh, same thing with these tabloids. It's voyeurism, right? It's, it's watching the trials and tribulations of another person's life. Right. And in some ways it makes us feel better when we see uh, their drama. Right, sure. Uh, and, and, you know, that, that you know, brings up a, a, a totally... Uh, a related question, an important one about, you know, privacy, right? So um, to what extent does a celebrity have the same right to privacy that you or I have? Um, and, uh, uh, you know, and I think that, uh, you know, a reality TV star um, or somebody who is, you know, documenting every moment of their life on Instagram, you know, you could argue that maybe they're for, they, they forfeit, at least in those instances, their right to privacy, um, or at least they're demonstrating uh, a lack of concern over their own privacy. But I'm not so sure that just because a person has sold a, a you know a million records that they all of a sudden forfeit their right to privacy, right? There's this line in The Simpsons once, can't remember exactly the episode, but the context has to do with paparazzi, I think. And it says, you know, um, like, 
that's the pre- that's that's what you get for artistically expressing yourself <laughs> right yeah i mean it's the balance between somebody whose success is dependent on so many others uh, and how to create that private life as a result um, I want to go back, though, to the whole idea, if it's okay, Mike, to conservatorship in general sure. and um, how odd it is. Britney Spears, just uh, looking this up and confirming this. All right. Britney Spears will be turning 40 this year. Wow. So to have a 40-year-old have their father as conservator, at what point are we told that somebody must uh, take responsibility for their actions, good, bad, or otherwise, that the parents cannot defend them, cannot protect them. I would say, especially in this case, when it looks like the parent is does not have their own interests at heart, the parent is just trying to find a legal loophole to get in on their child's success in a way that many parents do with child actors and singers. But once they turn 18, the child, the, the celebrity makes the decisions by themselves. This almost seems like a ruse, right? That was the whole idea of the documentary that this seems like a ruse so that Britney Spears is a strange father can, can continue to make money off of his daughter. At what points does somebody uh, responsible for their own actions and their parents cannot control that any longer. Yeah. Well, I mean, first of all, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's a question, I think is still an open question from the documentary about whether it is in fact a, a ruse. Um, uh, and it's, it's unclear. I think that we, we don't know. I'm not sure that the documentary gave enough um, clarity uh, on that question. Um so, you know, I think that, again, Jewish tradition would say that a person when they're 13 years old, uh, uh, you know, takes responsibility for their own, their own actions. They're, they're, but a parent traditionally says Baruch Shepatarani blessing, which right. basically says, thank you, God, for, for freeing me from this one. Right. And so I guess that, you know, the question then is, okay, but if you know that your child is going to be a danger to themselves or others, Right. Or that they just like can't, um, that they can't, you know, manage their own affairs. Right. Imagine, you know, you can imagine, you know, somebody who is, um, who's really mentally incapacitated. Um, You know, does a, does a parent not then have in some level a responsibility to take care of them? Not, not only the right to, but a responsibility to, um, because otherwise they might, you know, come to harm. And I think that that's, that's at least what, you know, Jamie Spears would have one believe about Brittany is that, you know, however old she is, um, if she were left to her own devices, she would end up, you know, uh, being a danger to herself. And I think what's hard about that argument is how can somebody be, continue to be a multi-platinum album by music star Right. She had this comeback with Circus in 2008. After that, she had this Las Vegas residency. How can somebody um, be successful in the business world and still potentially cause harm to herself so that she cannot make financial decisions for herself? 
Yeah. So that's a, that's a really good question. Right. And I think it, it speaks. So I think that it speaks to a couple of facts. One is like, I, I wonder if Britney Spears were a man, like, could this situation have unfolded in the same way? And I have a hard time believing it. Um, so there's a way in which I think that the, that the legal system, right, not to mention our broader culture, but the legal system in itself is set up to assume that women have are inherently less capacity than men, that, that women need to be under the, the, the control of, uh, of, of, of stronger men, right? I mean, like, it, you know, it's not that, it's not that long ago you know, that, uh, that women were not able to get credit cards without the permission of their, of their husband. We still Hashtag have- banks RBG. Right. We still have legislators today uh, in states and on the federal level who, you know, want to uh, uh, ensure that anybody who goes in for an abortion um, is, you know, is mandated an ultrasound. Right. Or is or uh, or, or, you know, is, or something like that. Right. So so we have that it's prevalent throughout our culture. Like we don't have the same sort of things for for men in, in our in our culture. When I when I if I went to buy a pack of condoms at the at the at Target, you know, I, there's no law saying that the clerk needs to you know talk to me about, you know, making wise choices with my body. Right. So we have this in our culture for women. So that's, you know, number one and number two, and this is the nature of like how we view artists and celebrities, you know, um, are they, are they machines, right? I think that there's a, there's a way in which uh, we've kind of devalued artistic output, generally speaking now um, that, the, that, you know, the, the internet has kind of devalued this, the you know, proliferation of, you know, streaming services have kind of devalued the, 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 um, the effort it takes to produce art. And, um, and I think that you, you see that reflected in law. Like the, the, I can imagine a judge not being able to fathom what it actually takes for Brittany herself to like sing, rehearse, get on stage, you know, whatever, all those things. Like she, a person cannot be forced against their will to dance on a stage in front of, the, I mean, let me, sorry, I'm going to rephrase that a little bit. Um, there are ways in which- right, There's a little Vashti- uh... Yeah, there, there, right. So there may be consequences for not doing it, right? Um, and that you may not want to pay those consequences um, like Vashti, right? But, um, but you know, it's, um, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's like, um, uh, it's like the power that my, my children have over me. Like, like they know at the end of the day, like I am not going to like actually force feed them their broccoli, right? So they can decide. Like you know, ultimately, I can I can like threaten, I can reward, I can cajole, I can do whatever I want. But like at the end of the day, like they they have agency over their own body, um, and presumably Britney Spears does too, even if she's under a conservatorship. Um, like you know, it there there may I don't know what the consequences would be if she decided not to you know get on stage. Uh, but, um, but uh, uh, in principle, I think she, you know, she has that. So anyway, so my point with all that is that's sort of a tangent. My point with all that is to say that, like, I, I think that it speaks to the way in which, um, there's, there's a tendency in our culture, like to, to assume that, you know, machines produce art, right? Not people. Yeah. I think that was certainly true. Maybe when Britney Spears was at her peak, the pop star phenomenon, the boy band phenomenon, as you said, 
right? Was Britney Spears, this is going to sound offensive, but, you know, was she any different than Christina Aguilera or Jessica Simpson or Christina Milian or or any of these, right? Was NSYNC any different than the Backstreet Boys or 98 Degrees or anything like that? Um, you, You were trying to, you know, create these cookie cutter pop stars. I be, I don't think that's what we as a society want anymore. That's not what art looks like anymore. We want uniqueness. We want to celebrate that diversity. We've been pushing to do that more. Well, the, I mean, the music industry was was different back then for sure. Um, uh, but I think that there's, you know, that uh, um, th- that that tendency is still present. I mean, it may not be as present anymore in the music industry, but it's feels present in the, in, in the film industry. Uh, you know, it's, it's hard to get a movie made nowadays. That's not a superhero movie. Um, you know, so there, there, you know, there is a tendency hard to get it released in theaters. Fine. But that's a, that's a whole nother story. Um, you know, my, my, my point is, but I think you, you hit it on the head, right? Yeah. You know, you can remember in those late nineties, early two thousands, um, that, you know, Christina Aguilera, is a very different kind of singer and performer than Britney Spears. Uh, and, you know, as was Jessica Simpson, as was Mandy Moore, right? So, you know, some of whom have gone on, like Christina Aguilera and Mandy Moore have gone on to do really, you know- Mandy really, Moore, This Is Us, best yeah. actress on the show. Right, so they've gone on to do really kind of creative and exciting things, as has Britney Spears in, in her own way, right? Once they kind of were able to break free of the cookie cutter, you know, the box that they were being, uh, uh, put into it's I think fair to say that on some level Britney Spears created that box um, so it's maybe a little unfair to like put her in it uh, and the the movie I think does a good job of showing the ways in which like um, she crafted that image for herself right like it wasn't like it, it wasn't just record savvy record producer says let's put her in the you know pigtails and Catholic school outfit like she had that idea she was doing it, you know, she was doing it for in her mall shows. Right. I, I think you're you're absolutely right. So then it's, I guess the challenge is when somebody presents themselves with one image and then changes that image, how do we adapt to that changing image? And how does that impact and influence one's responsibility uh, with regards to their actions or somebody else taking responsibility and control over their actions. Right. And again, you know, we tend to not have any problem when a male artist does that. It, it's, it, it, you know, it's what an interesting new direction they've gone in, you know, like we, you know, we're now, um, uh, you know, four years uh, since uh, David Bowie's death. Right. And David Bowie is, you know, sort of quintessential um, of the, you know, kind of shapeshifter, re, you know, re, personal reinvention model, right? When David Bowie does it, um, it is like a bold artistic step. And I love David, I'm not saying anything negative about David Bowie, right? Um, I think that, you know, arguably uh, the reason the world has been so weird the past four years is because David Bowie died. Um, but uh, but when Britney Spears does it, you know, it, it's, you know, it's obviously signaling a, a break with reality. And we treat, and I, you know, and, and I know, I know we, we've talked about this, you know, we see this as, as you know, fathers of, of daughters too. I mean, like, this is not a, a phenomenon that has ended in our society, right? There, there are ways in which, um, you know, little girls are, are boxed into to certain kind of modes of behavior are treated differently than their male counterparts in, in school. The expectations are different. Um, the standards are different. 
the, the, you know, the language we use around them is different. Um, you know, so these, these forces, you know, remain a pernicious element of, of our culture. Absolutely. Something I certainly fear, uh, as a, as a father of daughters. Well, all right. Well, we're uh, almost out of time. So as we uh, close up, Jesse, I don't know if we have any uh, more wisdom to offer about, uh, you know, the, the free Britney Spears movement. Uh, but let's just end on a, on a softer note. Um, favorite Britney Spears song, era, moment. Era, I don't know if her career was really long enough to have uh, multiple Eras. I would say my favorite song, um, you know, her role in the movie Crossroads was very underrated. Uh, I, I would uh, say that her cover of Pour Some Sugar On Me was great. Uh, but um, I'm like you, big fan of Oops, I Did Again is that summer of 2000 anthem. So I think, you know, thinking about her uh, covers, I think her cover of the Rolling Stones Satisfaction is, uh, is, is actually great. She did a performance, I think, at the VMAs. But, uh, but yeah, I, you know, I think that um, it's hard to top, oops, I did it again. Uh, but, but man, Britney really does have wall-to-wall jams. I mean, it's, it's um, you know, I could, I could shuffle uh, Britney songs on Amazon Music right now on Prime Music right now, and I guarantee every single one of them uh, will be uh, a fun listen. Well, that's what we're going to do after we wrap up this episode recording, have a Britney Spears jam session. So until next time, I am Rabbi Jesse Olitsky. I'm Rabbi Michael Knopf. Hashtag Free Britney. Take care, everyone.